From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeling. All right, welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast, and we are starting a new series today on worship. It's a whole series of episodes about worship. And so today, for this very first one, we have with us Trevor Barnes and Robert Carter, and we are excited to have you guys. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing well. Awesome. Wow, see, Trevor has a little bit more of a proper grammar situation yeah. happening. Yeah, he's, I think he has like five degrees in that or something. <laughs> it's, it's one of my fortes. Yeah. It is. He is communications. I'm just a little nervous to be sitting in the seat of like Noah Elias and Brandon Elrod and Doug Brown. I mean, I'm just... A lot, little, of, a lot of legends have been on this podcast. That's right. Le- I mean, Annie Canal is just like I know. lost for words here. So It's good. You should feel nervous, but you should best. also feel like you've got what it takes, Robert. <laughs> uh, hey. I have been known to talk. That's for <laughs> that's sure. That's true. And actually, it's interesting because we brought you guys in. Now, neither one of you, well, like typically at least, I guess, are up front leading us in worship. Robert is a like a vastly talented uh, musician, and Trevor is always in the back helping make everything happen on Sunday mornings um, from a tech and sound perspective and all that. Uh, but I actually just really think that you two have a great... Uh, understanding and a mind for some of like the theology and some of the background of really of what it takes like for us to think well about worship. But before we totally get into our topic, we love doing our Calvary origin stories. So let's start with you, Trev. Like, what's your Calvary origin story? How'd you come around? My origin story was a phone call. I was living in Stewart Hall at Biola University. Yeah, go Biola. And I got a call from Ron Rogalski saying he needed some weekend tech support. Okay. I didn't even know what that meant. But <laughs> how, do you, I, how do you know who you were? He got my number from a professor at Biola named Mike Gonzalez, who's still at Biola. Oh, okay. Uh, he's a legend in himself. Nice. And so Ron gave me a call on Mike's uh, kind of advice and said, hey, you should call this guy Trevor. I think he's right up your alley for what you're looking for. I came and I spent half the interview thinking that tech support meant like website design yeah, IT help. IT, yeah. <laughs> and it actually turned out it meant like AV, like audio, video, concert, kind of that stuff. And I'm like, oh, you can actually work at a church getting paid for that? Well, I just do that for friends. Yeah. Like I was doing like concert production while working at a recording studio my senior year. And I was like kind of getting into that whole world. And I was like, oh, I can I can do it on the weekends. And so I ran it running a production company during the week here at Calvary yeah. on the weekends. And then the rest is history. Over the years, I just gained more and more responsibilities and added things to my plate. And then in 2004, I met a girl named Leslie. Yes. And that's when I decided to stick around. Okay. <laughs> that always like, helps. Yeah. I'm, I'm staying here. And I started to actually build community and not just the thing I was doing on the weekends for work. Right, right. And now you actually do both of those areas of tech <laughs> support, I guess. With the, yes. Eventually, know, web and... eventually, I did combine all my different background and skills. Yeah, yeah. Not IT kind of stuff, no. but more creative. So you are a creative team path creative yes <laughs> eric's very clear on what i Dang do <laughs> edit 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 no way keep that's good stuff uh yeah so i'm the creative team lead so yes. i i'm basically the creative director for the church so i oversee everything from communications and all that involves yes so marketing website print work um, everything you see on the screens on sundays the overall environment of the worship services i oversee our worship teams yeah and i oversee connections as well so that's so there's some verbiage there of everything from the street to the seat. Oh, yeah. Um, I help oversee kind of that 
Robert is really hands-on, and I get to partner with him um, in some of the stuff he's doing there, Connections, getting more people involved in ministry. Yeah, cool. So, Robert, how'd you come to Calvary? Yeah, so I'm not from Orange County. Um, I moved down from Sonora, California, in NorCal. Uh, shout out to the 209. You are very proud. Um, very proud. <laughs> Love my roots. I moved down here in 2009 to go to Vanguard University down in Costa Mesa. And I had known Matt Doan previously to when I moved down here. Um, had met, up, met him up at Hume Lake. Okay, and that's not just everyone from NorCal knows each other. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> but I actually knew him before Hume. I was the ring bearer in a wedding that Marie was the maid of honor in oh, wow. before Marie had even met Matt. So like, okay. we, go, we go way back. Anyways, I moved down here. I was church hopping down in Costa Mesa, just finding different churches. And Matt invited me up to Calvary and said, hey, we're going to, young adults, we're going to go make brown bag lunches and pass them out to the homeless on a Sunday, like come join us. And I did that and stuck around for the service and just kind of immediately fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And just from the very beginning, loved this church, loved the people here, um, and felt like it was a place that I could I could really be long-term. Um, I started volunteering in youth ministry with Josh Simpson just a few months into while I was here. And then from there, took a junior high internship and then uh, worked in high school for a little bit and then was hired as the life groups and connections pastor uh, almost three years ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, now I oversee like what Trevor said, connections, which is um, really helping new people assimilate here at Calvary, getting them involved. Yep. Um, but that's also the, like, I call it like almost an operations manager on Sunday mornings. There's just a, a lot of moving pieces of yeah. ushers and greeters and medical and campus safety and coffee and all that kind of stuff, making sure all that stuff is, is going as well as overseeing life groups. Um, it's a huge passion of mine, um, partly because of the effect that it's had on me, but just to see people in groups yeah. um, committed to community outside of the main worship service on a regular basis. So that's what I do. Love it. And so like, even and before you started working more full-time here at Calvary uh, in that pastoral role, you were doing some stuff with, with music, actually, at Vanguard, right? Yes. So I worked in the music department. I was the... Uh, coordinator of concert operations. And so I helped um, plan and execute all of our tours and festivals and regular concerts for all the different music ensembles That's awesome. that they had. So yeah, I've been around music my whole life. I yeah, because you grew up around, your dad was, is... A my dad was a music teacher. At the, music teacher, yeah. In a junior college system for 30 years. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, always around music, um, even particularly church music. They right. were always singing around the house and things like that. So, and you play what instruments? <laughs> um, Come on, I don't like that question. Like, what <laughs> instruments do you like playing with a little more proficiency than the others? Um, <laughs> so, I really enjoy playing drums. Yes, um, guitar, piano. Uh, I'm I'm re I'm fixing my saxophone right now because I kind of grew up playing saxophone. Okay, um, but that's it's a fun instrument that I don't play too much anymore. But I'm getting that going again. So. Okay, sounds good. Like Trevor, do you play any instruments other than the soundboard? Um, I'm mostly <laughs> I'm mostly a mixer. Okay, um, yeah. I do have some experience on the flute. Really? Yeah. A flautist. What? I was a flautist in middle school. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, that that was my main instrument of choice. I've been trying to learn guitar. Yep. Um, but failing miserably at it mostly. Okay. Um, but that's that was one of my sabbatical goals, and I didn't get very far. Well, We've been missing a flautist on the staff chapel. Yeah, band, we could so use a flautist. We definitely. 
you should get that going again. Yeah, <laughs> um, it might be in my parents' garage, but there I think I still have it somewhere. Ah, that's cool. So as it's much so as great. as much as I'm your host here today and pastor, but like it's, uh, I have actually I have a little bit of experience with this thing with worship through music, part of it, as well as leading in the other some other elements of of worship on a Sunday morning. But I play a little guitar and did lead in my youth ministry days quite a bit. Oh yes. Oh we yeah. Didn't. <laughs> exactly. It's. Yeah. You, you typically don't want to learn how to play guitar if you're a youth pastor because you'll end you up... will do both. Yeah, doing it all. So anyway, but let's let's get into this whole thing of us talking about worship and and really what what is worship. And so I'd love just for you to give us, guys, a bit of your sense of, uh, of a sense of a theology of worship. Like what, what, are, what should we understand about worship is in the scriptures? Yeah, so for me, worship goes all the way back to the beginning of time, right? Um, You have God, who is infinite, and then you have created beings. And obviously, that's there's a different timeline for that and when he created each of those created beings. But since there has been God and other beings, um, there has been him revealing himself to those beings and out of that, there has been natural response by those beings to God. Hmm. Um, And that natural, most pure response would be attributing value and worth to God as the highest above all. Um, So worship in its fundamental, like, basic term, I would say, is attributing worth and value to God that he already has. We're not giving him value and worth, but we are recognizing it. Yes. Um, and and that's been going on, you know, forever. It's pretty interesting to think about how worship is beyond humanity even, right? And like and before, beyond and before humanity even's existence. Yeah, right? absolutely, right? Yeah. So like the spiritual realm has been involved in that mm-hmm. um, way beyond, you know, the human experience. Right. It feels like just the first way that in this entire conversation we can probably in in multiple times we'll realize it's not about us. <laughs> exactly. Right. 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 Remember that line. It doesn't even need you to exist. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and with that, I think it's it's both attributing worth, but also it's a response of the heart and the mind that ascribes worth like you're talking about. But it's also a response in awe and reverence to something bigger than yourself. And so I think there's something in that that us as sort of non-eternal beings, we respond to the eternal. Yeah. And we we move beyond ourself and our limited perspective. And often what worship does is it lifts our eyes beyond the it it shifts our perspective in a way. Hmm. And so worship is response. I think that's a really great phrase. It helps me think yeah. about it, it furthers us along our spiritual journey. It changes us more into the image of Christ. Yeah. I think C.S. Lewis has some stuff about that with the church has nothing else to do but to form little Christs. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the church is all about. And so worship through music is one particular method of that. Yeah. But what we do in our corporate gatherings, I think, is a larger context of what we mean when we say our worship gatherings is like music is a section of what we're trying to do. Yeah. And it's maybe the most powerful thing that we have. In right. Our right. So what are, what are then those elements that are worship in our gatherings? You know. Well, we could say that all of life is worship, right? And all of life can be a response, absolutely, um, of the worthiness of God. Um, but particularly in our corporate gatherings, it's everything from 
um, singing of songs and the truth of Scripture that comes through that. It's corporate reading of Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's the proclamation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's remembering through the bread and the cup and communion and the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even baptism. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an acting out, a representing of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously sermons, teaching, preaching. Mm-hmm. I think even um, announcements, you know, that we, we affectionately call current highlights or cur high. Yeah. I think even that can be part of worship because it's an invitation into opportunities of ministry yeah. and to live out our calling. Yep. So if we see it as not just things we need to announce so people know it's happening, right? but it's an invitation to participate in life of ministry, Yep. Um, that can even be part of how we worship. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I would even add uh, giving our generosity both yep. in what we do with our finances, but also in what we do with our time and whether or not we serve Mm-hmm. Um, both of those are for sure corporate Absolutely. Uh, responses and, yeah. and ways to... Every to week we have a slide that says worship and giving. Right, exactly. And we, we take that very literally intentionally. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's a, that, there's a lot there. And it's hard because at some level it's so... It's like, it's everything. You know, feel right. it's like it's right. hard because it right. really is everything. And so right. I think in this conversation we'll probably sort of veer into the worship through music and singing mm-hmm. a little bit more than we veer into the other categories sure. but at the same time right. like let's continue to sort of keep that at the forefront that it is also as we give and as we uh, take part in communion and, and all of that you know is is worship but but there's something about this thing of coming to a place and gathering with other people, right? Like, what do you? What's the difference right. of just because there's also this? I could be sitting in my room praying and singing and reading the scriptures, right? right. What's what's the individual versus corporate? Or yeah, together? it's 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 tricky because um, this comes really head on against a Western individualistic society. This mm-hmm. idea that there's um, maybe perhaps more value in the group than there is in the individual that as a, as a group, we take on a different identity than I do just as myself and that there's true value in that. Um, when you think about the context that the scriptures were written in, um, you know, in, in Jewish monotheism, it, it was the group before the individual. Yeah. Um, it, it was Israel before it was, you know, me as a, as a Jewish person, um, that's obviously not the case today in, right. in Western civilization, particularly in America, right? We were founded upon principles um, of things like rugged individualism, right, right. which is basically if you didn't like how it was being done on the East Coast, just move a little farther west and start <laughs> it your own way. Yep. And so this, it really Pioneering became, spirit, that's yeah, why exactly. it's called that, right? Yeah. It became a very entrenched idea in our culture that um, the individual... Um, mindset or way of life was uh, to be sought after and to be the most important thing mm-hmm. um, where perhaps in our when we come together as a church body it's not supposed to be that that way yep. as much um, I, I did a little bit of research in this in my master's um, particularly how um, what's the difference between individual worship and cor- corporate worship and, you know, is one better than the other or more important? And, um, I, I came across this quote and, um, it says something that's so special about a church service is that once the service starts, we agree to take on a bigger identity than just ourselves. We have laid aside our individuality for a little bit to take 
the larger identity of the body of Christ. Therefore, we pray, we confess our sins, we praise, and we give thanks. That yeah. that idea of um, taking on the larger identity of a body, yeah. again, really is not a Western thought. Totally. Um, it's really about, you know, the, the individual. And so um, I, I love the idea of coming together as a church and, and how important that is and taking on that identity. Um, but it's not going to happen naturally. Um, even, and this is what's bizarre, even by gathering as a group, yeah, you can still not take on that larger identity right. as a body. Right. Um, another guy I read during my research, he said, you know, the biggest contradiction that we do is we come together, Christians come together on Sunday mornings to do personal devotions. So we pack in a room uh, and then we, yeah. um, you know, it gets dark and we close our eyes and we try to really forget everyone else who's there yeah. so that we can do kind of our personal devotions with God, uh, which again is just, it's so deeply ingrained in how we do life as individuals, but really does does not um, flow with God's intention for the church. I think in essence, what it is that we're saved not just as individuals, we're saved into a family, and it's into the family of God. Mm. And God actually designed us to grow best as brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's in that horizontal relationship, not just the vertical. And when we when we bifurcate them too much, yeah, we we wind up sort of truncating our growth. Right. So we don't grow the way that God intended. We don't grow into the likeness of Christ if we're trying to do it solo. Yeah. Um, and that's very much in the sort of the thread of how the entire story of the gospel works is that we grow together as a family. So I think that's really important. And the other problem is when we put too much on the corporate gathering on a one-hour Sunday service, <laughs> yeah. we load up so much expectation to that yeah. as if that is supposed to be the entire Christian community experience. Yeah. It's always going to fall short of that. Yeah. Because you can't encourage one another, lift up each other's burdens, be doing life together, praying for one another, knowing each other's stories, being there in the hard moments of life, you can't do that just sitting next to somebody in a worship service. Mm -hmm. That can be a catalytic moment of change and transformation, but it's one hour on Sunday. Right. And so we have to expand our view of Christianity, our view of church, to more than just that one hour. It doesn't say it doesn't negate the importance of that hour. Mm -hmm. What it does is says that's one moment, and we have to build a life of community around that. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think it's there's something interesting to what you guys are both just saying is like that as a as an individual, I should care more about the big kingdom of God, right, first, like the big God himself, then, then his kingdom and the big C church, and then you've got our local church here, and I should care about that even more than just myself and what I get or my experience right. or whatever. Right. But it's so interesting because I think a lot of times we don't, we think even about our own church more than we think about the big kingdom. We think about our own self more than we do like the whole church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean we don't have a great experience too. Like, I don't know. I feel like right. at some level, I, I have amazing, incredible experiences of God in worship, but I do, even when it's like a quote unquote, like good worship time, <laughs> which I know is yeah. like a terrible thing to say. We'll talk about that. <laughs> I know. We, yes. And, and I'm recognizing the, that yeah, that's exactly. a terrible thing to say, but a time where I feel like a sense of I'm singing and I'm feeling a sense of connection to the Lord. I'm like, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm amazed by how great he is. Right. Even in that time, it's like, okay, I need to try and like 
I have this, this is great, but I need to care about the whole, you know, and care about my brother and sister. Right. And I feel like that's an absolutely um, pure byproduct of true worship. Yeah. And it's something that should be, I think, expected as a result of a community turning towards God, you know, mm-hmm. turning back to God that, yeah, that that's going to probably transform me in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um the debate then is, is that primary or secondary? Is that what should be sought after? Is that, or is that something that will just come as a result of the former? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I know that even like for me, sometimes I choose as the, as the pastor of Calvary, I choose sometimes when we're singing to sort of sacrifice, I just, I choose to give up my own singing and I actually just sit there and pray that the Holy Spirit would fall upon this room, yeah. that the people in that room would experience God, that right. God would be glorified in what we're doing as a whole. And so I kind of just like, try to like, I stop seeing it and I just like give that over, just like praying for everyone else right. in the room. Right. You know? Which again is so different than the individual time that you have with the Lord. Like yeah. that's not necessarily something that needs to be on your mind as you're having those personal devotions and that time of worship. Um, but yeah, when you, like, like we said, when you come together with everybody, there's other people to think about and <laughs> yeah. care about and pray for and yeah. hope that they're engaging together. Yeah. Yeah. Cause ultimately we, we do pray that it is an experience with the living God of the universe, yeah. that people encounter him on an individual and a corporate level. And there's something uniquely powerful and tangible that happens when the body of Christ gathers together. Yeah. It's different than you know, listening to your favorite songs in your car. Mm-hmm. It's it's hearing your brothers and sisters in Christ proclaim these truths together. And it's there's something really tangible, I think, that happens out of that that's special. Yeah. And so we don't neglect that. And a lot of what we're trying to do on Sundays is sometimes just get out of the way. Hmm. You know, we, we want... It's never a show. That doesn't mean we do it halfway. So we do it with excellence. We do it with passion. We do it with all of our heart. But ultimately, we want to not be the focus of attention. Yes. We want right. the focus of attention that we, we vanish. As, as a guy who played a little bit of football, I was always an offensive lineman for obvious reasons. <laughs> and the goal was always don't get noticed. Uh-huh, if you right. get noticed as an offensive lineman, it's because you did something wrong and you got a penalty called on you. Right, right. You know, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the goal is if nobody men- noticed you were there that day, it went really well. Yeah. So that's always our goal from, I think, all the behind-the-scenes stuff we do is create an environment where people encounter God and don't notice anything that's happening. Right. But that's also because you got to take that, but also like someone's skillful playing is worship too. Now it shouldn't be in this like wild out, right. of, out of the moment virtuoso, like right. shredding lead, you know, on the <laughs> yeah. guitar or whatever, maybe. But is it like, wh- how does that fit in then? You know, cause it's not to neglect that excellence in singing or playing. Right. I think, I think the scripture has a lot to say about that. We, we do things with excellence for the glory of God. Yeah. And I think the motive and the heart behind it has a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think, I was thinking a lot about this this week, the power of our best moments comes not from the excellence of how we do it, it comes from being transparent and authentic and passionate in a way that the gospel comes through clearly, and that's where the real power is. Yeah. That's when the Holy Spirit is able to move in somebody's heart through the transforming power of the gospel. Yeah. And so I think back to like... Um, this last Christmas Eve and this last Easter, for me, were like huge highlights. Yep. I've been at Calvary for almost 20 years. Yeah. And I think those two services were like something really special. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's getting emotionally, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So um, why do you think they were special? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> it's good. Um, um, I'll have Robert share something while I gather my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to speak to the idea of, um, you know, doing things with excellence, like uh, I think about church music over the the course of humanity, really. Um, and again, shout out to John Carter, my dad, like huge, like Baroque area and romantic area, um, you know, fan of music. Yeah. They were, it was, it was some considered it the, you know, the pinnacle of music. Um, people who were composing these incredible um, orchestral songs for the church and, yep. and they were putting their absolute best foot forward. Talking like Handel yeah, and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, all those people, yeah. like, they were doing it for the church and it was for church music. And there was never yeah. an expectation of like, well, you know, we don't want it to be too, too good, too good. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, they were, they were, they had yeah. nothing, nothing to give, but their best, um, for this church music. And, right. and I think that challenge is, is still there. Right. For right. Us today. Yeah. The hallelujah chorus could be considered <laughs> too showy. I think too showy, yes. you know, right. Cause exactly. it is at some level, top. right? Like, it is very, but, <laughs> But yeah, it, it was it was just done out of excellence, and I think yeah. that challenge comes to us today. The only problem, which I'm sure we'll get into, is that the um, people's views of what excellent music is yeah. is so diverse. Yep. Say in the last forty years, music has changed so much yep. that 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 debate is now a thing. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and ultimately, I think what it's getting beyond style preference. And it's getting into what the gospel is. And we just use, I think, music as a medium. Mm -hmm. So music ultimately says God is the creator of all things and he's amazing. Yeah. And then we are hum humanity in need of a savior. Yeah. Ultimately, it's what Jesus did through the cross that saves us. Yeah. And he's coming back. Yeah. To restore all things, to make all things new. And that's the great hope we have in the resurrected life and the new creation. And so when our our services can tell that entire story, yeah. I think that's what Christmas and Easter did really well. Yeah, is it it cements that hope for, in our hearts, and it uh, it helps us in immense ways. Hmm. I agree. I agree. And then there was these sort of transcendent moments yes. too, right? Where it kind of just it just felt like the roof was going to blow off in some <laughs> way off the place, and not just in not not at all in volume necessarily or anything like that, or. <clears throat> but it was like just wow, something. I watched that yeah. meter every moment of every service, <laughs> right? And they were not louder moments, right? But they felt bigger. Yeah, they felt larger than life. Yep, because of what was happening in those moments. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like that moment. Sometimes some of the bigger moments are when the entire band stops and just the crowd is singing, mm -hmm. and we all love that, yeah, right? Absolutely. Because I think we love that because it's a glimpse of this corporate thing that we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. We're a family together, right? Singing these words that are about God who we worship. So anyway, yeah, that's cool. What, um, Robert, I want to uh, get right at you for a second here, uh, because you've actually given some language, I think, to our church. Um, that's stuff that you've in your, you know, in your master's work and all that, that you, that you were working on that I actually just like loved. And we did a worship teaching series like a year and a half ago or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, wow, okay. I just, I basically just preached your words. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I know those kind of center around a couple words of acknowledge and realign. Right. We can take us through some of that of like, what, like, what is that? And how, how has that been so helpful for you? You know? Yeah. Um, so this idea of, 
um, acknowledge and realign. Again, it's to go back to what worship is for me as a whole. Uh, it started with people thousands and thousands of years ago acknowledging the um, the ways that God was revealing Himself to them. They, you know, acknowledging that, and then they would uh, respond or realign appropriate, appropriately to that. Mm-hmm. And in in those, you know, in that day, there were different times of types of worship as well, but primarily it was the sacrificial system, right? So yeah. they would sacrifice an animal, um, and that was a hugely, uh, I mean, it, the word itself, sacrificial process, right? They had to take their best, their absolute best, and sacrifice it hmm. for the Lord, thereby uh, realigning or kind of shifting their reality back to the reality of God. And so realignment for me, if you can think of like, Think of like a pipe, and God created us. Uh, with there's supposed to be just this flow of intimacy and love with Him going through this pipe, and, and it's just supposed to just be going continuously. Mm. But because of sin, that pipe kind of breaks and shifts mm. and, and and moves away, and that flow doesn't come as naturally, or doesn't come as easily, or we don't recognize it as much. And when we realign to God through worship, um, that pipe centers up again and that flow becomes um clear and we understand more who god is and more of um, how he thinks of us and more of who we are in in light of all that um and so uh this whole thing started for me because i i would go to hume lake as a as As a a camper uh, as a camper yeah and i was um just so impacted by the music yeah by the by the worship music just incredibly and i and it, to the point of frustration i would get home as a as a student and just be like well man our music our music is not like that you know how how am i supposed to worship if our music's not like that yeah. and then as i got older and i took over the worship leading i'm like well i can't lead worship like that how are we even going to worship you know <laughs> and so I really started to dive into this question of of worship music um, and the ways that it you know realigns us to um, the truth of who God is. And I love this quote by Bonhoeffer. He says, "Music will help dissolve your complexities and purify your character and sensibilities, and in time of care and sorrow, will keep a fountain of joy alive in you." Hmm. And so there's just there there seems to be an, I don't. Not many people would argue this, that music is just something special. It's just this special way mm-hmm. of realignment to who um, to who God is. And I've certainly seen that, you know, to be true in my life, but it's not the only way of realignment. Um, but it certainly is, is one way that we, uh, that is, is one way that we worship today. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think this whole thing of realignment is really interesting because I, I do think it's, in these other aspects of worship, not just through music, but as we give, that realigns our heart to God's heart, right? right and right. and, and his, to the reality of who He is, right? Yes, like we're, yes. We're, 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 we're structuring our life back to how things were supposed to be. Right. And when we give, we're saying, well, money's not the most important thing about me. And yes. when we do silence and solitude, we say, well, words aren't the most important thing about me. Yeah. And, you know, so we're kind of restructuring and realigning ourselves back to this created order, really, that God set up yep. for us. And that's even how Jesus established communion with the Lord's Supper of just, you know, 
remember, remember. <laughs> the right. whole point of this is to remember, which is a big part of, of I think, realigning too, is remembering. Yeah, right? that was that was the three R's of the worship series we did last August. It was remember, realign, respond. And if you can do that in every worship service, remember yep. the truth of who God is, the goodness of the gospel, and all that Jesus has done for you. Hmm. And then you realign to the truth of his word and what the spirit is aligning your heart to. Yeah. Um, actually making you new. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's his power that does it. And then you respond out of that. Hmm. So I think if you can come expectantly to a worship gathering, thinking, I want to remember the gospel today. I want to realign my heart to who God is and his heart. Yeah. And I want to respond in a life of obedience, a life of calling. I think you're onto something. Yeah. And, and you'll get more out of it. Okay, in the midst of this, I want to just ask, at some point I wanted to ask about sort of emotions, you know, and uh, it's interesting because even, you know, even Trevor, you were kind of like, you were emotional there for a moment. I've been, I mean, I'm a massively emotional person <laughs> that just is a total sap. Like if we sing a certain song before I have to get up and close the service, it's like, oh man, I'm just going to be a mess up here and everyone's seen it. And it's a good, it's a good mess. You know, it's a good kind of mess, but I know everybody's sort of wired differently. You know, not everybody has that same sort of sense of connection to their emotions or something, you know, or expression of their emotions. But there is something, even though we don't want to sort of evaluate our relationship with God based on how we feel in our emotional, you know, self, but it's, there's something to it. Do you guys, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. No. Feelings <laughs> feelings don't matter. <laughs> only truth, only yeah. intellect. There it is. Head over heart always. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, again for me, I think the the byproduct, the primary byproduct, not the primary goal, but the primary byproduct of true worship, true realignment mm -hmm. is this uh understanding of the transformation that's happening in you mm -hmm. um and it's incredibly profound and moving and and this is just something that i came to on my own journey with worship music that i was i, I you know i just found myself asking so many times why do i feel this way during worship music like why i just kept asking that question what is happening yeah and then you think about it and you're like i'm singing truth over my life, over this community, over, and you're, again, you start to realign with what's really going on. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, no wonder you, you're, you're, you're singing your understanding of, of how the God of the universe thinks of you. And, yeah. and, and again, we kind of established that music seems to have a different effect on people than other mediums. And sure. so you put all that together, the fact that, you know, truth is coming into your brain the way that you haven't thought about it any at all during that day. And then you take music that's often moving and emotional and you put those components together and your, your emotions start to move. So yeah. absolutely. I, I think it's, it's obvious that it's present, that it happens. Yep. It again, just becomes a question. Is that, a, is that what we need to pursue right. in order for what we would say worship to be good or is that just gonna kind of happen as a result? And 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 we're glad that it is, but it doesn't mean the worship um, time was unsuccessful if we don't feel that way. Yeah. What? Yeah, I think we we so often think that we we sing our theology in very obvious ways. Like we don't remember in our times of trial and temptation, our times of deep need for God. We don't remember usually some message that was given. 
No oh, offense. Come to on. Pre- yes, we do. No offense to the preacher. <laughs> no offense, Eric. <laughs> what often I personally remember is the lyrics to a song. Yeah. Even the melody of a song will come into your head before the words. Yep. And I think that God has wired us as humanity yep. for music to be a powerful tool in how we connect on a spiritual level in, in many ways of life. Yep. And so that's why music as a corporate body is so important. Yeah, I agree. And I even sort of, I even tend to start my times, if it's like a longer solo time with God, um, I'll start with singing a little bit, just even to myself, almost even sometimes in my head, even if I, you know, and it just kind of like gets me centered on Christ instead of centered on myself. Right. But, okay, so all of us, I think, are in agreement here, but I've also heard, you know, a counterpoint to this is, well, a more cynical counterpoint would be, yeah, but if you just structure this like chord progression in a certain way and you kind of like have this right. song flow, you know, like I will, I'll cry, you know, when YouTube plays right. with or without you in a kind of similar way, you know? <laughs> right. Right. So, right. So Brad Pitt says, yeah. you know, Brad Pitt said, you know, I've, I, I don't need to go to church because I can go to a rock concert and yeah. feel the same way that I would feel as if I went to church, uh-huh. simply just talking about the music, right? So yeah. just there's clearly. Again, we will agree upon the fact that music seems to do something to us and in us that no other medium can. Yeah. Um, you know, so is it about how, how do you balance the uh, I think it the goes effects back, of music, yeah. but then also the truth you're trying to proclaim? It goes back to music as a medium. Mm-hmm. And so we're presenting the truth of the gospel through a medium. Yep. And that medium can be used and redeemed in a way that points back to the creator, points back to the savior. And points us back to the life of the Trinity, and the, the life that we get to participate in as believers. So it's it's using a medium in a way, just like you would. We can use film in the same way. We can use film to point back to the glory of God, or it can be used in horrible and destructive ways. Yeah, music yeah. can be the same thing. Yep. So it's not that music in itself is inherently holy or evil. Yeah. It's a medium that can be used in either way, and so we, as the church, use it as a really powerful tool to bring people closer to God in connection with him and move them forward in their faith um, in really powerful and unique ways. Now, where this gets complicated, I think, is the church, um, at least church culture, has um, elevated method over outcome. And and the way that we worship, particularly musically, has become more important than what's the outcome of worship, namely being alignment with God— giving him worth and value. And so when we elevate method over, you know, the outcome, yeah. um, we can really start to get stuck to a type of music that does elicit that emotional response in us. And we almost become stuck and we don't realize it. Um, we'll start doing music a certain way and that, you know, elicit something emotional in us. And so we just keep doing it that way. And right. we don't realize that we're coming, well, we, we're, we're becoming kind of stuck to that where we think, well, and we're not even thinking about it it's subconscious, but in order to feel this way, we need to do music this way. And then those two, it just becomes kind of a hamster wheel. Yeah. Um, and, and we really start focusing on that method more than is God being praised? Is are our hearts being realigned? Are we structuring our lives differently? Um, and again, the method, takes over yeah yeah that's interesting um let's talk about 
method and preferences a little bit, though, then, you know, because I think this is like what's such a hot button when it comes to <laughs> to worship through music, because nobody's saying like, man, I really people have theological discussions on communion and like what it means. But nobody's like, man, that pastor just has this way of like setting up the, the moment of communion. You know, I'd really like yeah. that. I really like that style. <laughs> I don't know anyone who's left the church, at least like our non-denominational churches, because of like how the offering or how the communion plate was passed or something like that. Yeah. No, there are arguments about it and complaint cards. Yes. But I don't know if it's a reason for division or not. That's true. Exactly. That's, yeah. People yeah. have strong feelings about all kinds of things you wouldn't imagine. <laughs> right. That's actually yeah. really true. That's yeah. actually true. But um, but this whole personal preference thing, when it comes to when it comes to worship through music, especially, there's there's all sorts of issues, right? I mean, the classics of like the old hymns versus the modern worship songs is probably like the biggest thing there, you know? Um, But people have all sorts of different like styles of, of preference. And how do you think that personal preference kind of gets, you know, in the way or how it affects our approach to worship in some positive or negative ways? Yeah, I think what's interesting, unique, is even sitting around this table are three guys. We're all about the same age, similar backgrounds, all Californians at least. <laughs> Roberts, Roberts, Roberts uh, like pushing down. No way. Well, plus he's, I think he's claiming way younger than us. He's claiming yeah. way. Younger. You guys got a generation on me, significantly younger, <laughs> like generation, like Genesis two gene- genealogy generation status. So anyway, my point was. That we have different preferences even around this table. Yes. We have different things we like to listen to. Robert and I have a common ground in Need to Breathe. Yeah. One of the best bands ever. So Maybe Switchfoot we connect on as well. Absolutely. Right? Anything by John Foreman. Anything by John Foreman is gold. (laughs) Um, Personal hero. There you go. So if I were doing my worship services the way just I wanted to, they would sound a lot like John Foreman, maybe a little bit Dave Matthews counting crows. Like Mumford and Sons. Yeah. They would have some, like some Mumford, Mumford and Sons. Need to Breathe stuff. is basically just Mumford and Sons, Christian edition. But so. they were there before. That, <laughs> oh, that's so. a stretch. <laughs> I'm just trying to cut you guys. Yeah, he's trying to hurt deep. <laughs> but then sometimes okay. I listen to hip hop. Right. You know, I love, there's this album by Heath McNeese that I've just been listening to on repeat lately. Some really deep tracks by Show Baraka. Wow. There are some guys that are just like, that's what I personally listen to. Yeah. Sometimes I go in a country. Zach Brown Band is a is a favorite, especially right. live. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I don't bring any of that into how we craft our worship services. Right. I set all those preferences aside, and I say, what's the best thing for this entire body of intergenerational believers to sing together? Mm-hmm. So we value things that are singable, that are memorable, that everybody can agree on their theology together. Yeah. Those things are really important, and yeah, this, you have to pick a style. Sure, we don't we don't do right. southern gospel. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just doesn't fit our culture. And there's no styleless music. You there is no right. neutral <laughs> type of music where it's like we exactly. are not a style. So yes, no matter what, no matter what anyone says, you you pick a style. You default to something. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing to dismantle when it comes to preferences is that it's it is not wrong to have preferences and it's not even wrong to have worship music preferences like you can there there is incredible today to have the wealth of musical um you know worship music that we have and all the different expressions Mm -hmm. of of the way that people sing it and play it and, and that's just it's a huge blessing but with that comes preferences. And like Trevor said, there's ways that I like to listen to worship music and him and, and you. Sure. And 
it's not bad to have those things. Yep. Where where it becomes sticky is when you take those preferences, mm-hmm. or, or to use a word we've already used, take that method, that, yeah. and take that into the church service and say, this is the most important thing. I won't be able to worship. I won't be able to align myself to God unless this preference is is used. Yeah. That I believe is where we've kind of lost our way a little bit. Um, when it comes to this worship discussion, because really, if the pre- if the preference of music is not what you like, I don't think that's a I don't think that's something that is preventing you from worshiping. I think that's actually giving you another opportunity to worship. I love the way that C.S. Lewis talks about it. He says he he sets up the you know analogy of like there's a there's a musician who's sitting in this you know. I'm thinking old England church with like a steeple because that's probably C.S. Lewis. But so there's a musician sitting in the pew and there's this guy like playing this incredible organ concerto and it's like, oh, it's so beautiful. And this guy in the, like probably my dad would be this guy like sitting in the pew, just like so inspired and being like lifted towards the heavens of this beautiful organ piece. And then there's another guy who's like, oh, I like, you know, street jazz. Like, I don't like this song. And they're just like, this is, you know, this is such a bummer and whatever. Not engaging. I can't worship to this because it's just not on my level. Uh Um, Both of those people have an opportunity to worship, to realign themselves by sacrificing for one another. Mm -hmm. Both the one who says, wow, this is an amazing piece of music, but I know that this guy doesn't get it. So I can, you know, sacrifice my preference and we can do something different. And the guy who says, this doesn't really, this type of music doesn't really jive with me, but I know that this guy is really being engaged with the Lord. Hmm. I can sacrifice and lift him up, you know, to the Lord. And so I don't think preference is, um, I don't think preference should be something that prevents you from worshiping. I think it's, again, just another opportunity to worship if it's not your preference currently or your song or your style or whatever that's that's being played. Yeah. Yeah, I really loved... Um, this is something that we used, as an, we used as an analogy in our worship series last summer, and it was the idea of a dinner table, especially as we're thinking of the holidays right now and coming together with family. And we talked about it. It's like when you come together for Thanksgiving and everybody's worked really hard and they brought their favorite dish... And we're all sort of combining together, and you're like the the full grown adult who just brings McDonald's because that's the only thing you'll eat, and that's what you love. And you don't want the turkey, and you don't want the stuffing, you don't want the cranberries, you don't want anything the grandma made. Yeah, you just want your Happy Meal, <laughs> and it's just like this petty selfishness. Yeah, that honestly I think is it stunts your growth. It stunts your ability to be a part of a community yeah. if you just get so narrowly focused on this is the only thing I'll accept. And we would look at that person at Thanksgiving and go, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Right. Like, get over yourself. There's a great feast here. Like, There's a great enjoy. feast. Yeah. Just try to expand your palate and right. enjoy some more things. Yeah. I've seen some examples recently. Um, I'll even drop some names, and hope these people don't get, uh, get offended. Hopefully they're good. They're, good. they're all good. <laughs> they're all really okay. good. These are the positive examples. Um, I remember running into a guy here named Merle, and Merle is, I don't know, he's older, Mm -hmm. like maybe eight decades old. Mm -hmm. And he ran into me one day and he said, I've noticed a lot more people singing recently. I love to see all the younger people that have been coming and singing. It's so encouraging to me. Mm -hmm. And he said, why do you think that's, why do you think that is? Why is that working? Right. And he was really positive, but he's like, I love to see that. I want to see more of it. Wow. So the heart that he had for that, and it, sometimes letting go of the music he loved. 
Yeah. A, a flip side of that is um, Carrie Martin, who's in my life group, yeah. wound up sitting by herself one day. Her husband was off doing something else, and she sat near Bill Barta. Accidentally sat in his seat where he'd put his Bible like in the pew rack holder. <laughs> and so he came by, oh, no, no, you don't need to move. So he sat right behind. Yep. Mm. And she said afterward he mentioned, or she mentioned, how much she loved hearing he and his wife singing these old hymns. Mm. And how much, it's not her thing, she doesn't love those songs, but she loved how much they loved it. Yep. And so it's when the generation can sacrifice their own preference for another yep. that right. we see a really beautiful thing happen. Absolutely beautiful. And I, on the flip side... I think that preference can be, I mean, not only can you become so entrenched in it that it's just a selfish, you know, you're just being selfish at at some level, not sacrificing for the other. Um, But I really think, and I've noticed that with people who who put preference of music as really the highest thing, it can be really hard to know how and learn how to worship in other ways beside music because their preference has become so tied to worship, right? You often hear this like, oh, worship was good this morning. Worship was bad this morning. I like the worship at that church. I like the worship at this church. What they're really saying is music, but they're using those words interchangeably, which is really just not correct, right? Because who can judge the worship, right? God can. He can say, well, that was acceptable and pleasing to me. That (laughs) wasn't. But when worship and preference and music and preference is tied so tightly it can be really hard to understand how to realign yourself in other ways because, and I, I struggle with this again, back to the Hume thing, because the music was so amazing and so spot on for my preference at that time in my life, I legitimately wondered how am I supposed to worship? How, how am I supposed to Romans 12? Anywhere like, else. How, mm-hmm. Yeah. How am I yeah. supposed to be a Romans 12, like living sacrifice? This is my spiritual act of worship anywhere else than like this incredible chapel with this loud, awesome music. So I remember I used to like, oh, I'll just sing songs to myself. Like as I walk around, like that'll be how I worship. I, I was so tied to this style of music that the idea of worshiping in other ways, whether it be giving or silence and solitude or prayer or service, that those were just very far from me because I just thought, well, it's gotta be, I feel closest, quote, closest to God right. when I'm singing this kind of music. It must be the purest yeah. type of worship. Mm. Yeah, that's like it's like if we said I I like I don't like giving my money away. I like keeping my money. Therefore, I'm not going to worship in that way. You know, I think a lot of people probably do say that. Actually, yes, you exactly. know, <laughs> but just kind of picking and choosing, right? So yeah. it's 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 sort of more obviously wrong to us to say that. And right, I know that's where I I, I feel that same way. Like what you're talking about there, because when it's I, I really try to engage myself when it's a song I don't sort of personally like as much or a style I don't I'm always like okay okay you know you have to like gear yourself up because Absolutely. your your sort of first response tends to be like Ugh, you know and, and then- that's and I think that's <laughs> another kind of misnomer when it comes to worship and even worship music I think we expect these things to happen just naturally right, that right. will be mm-hmm. just taken up into the spirit of the Lord and it will just be amazing and we, it just as long as I show up it the rest of it will happen and we just see over and over again in our own lives, but I think scripturally as well, where it takes participation, it takes engagement, it takes whether it be physical posture of kneeling or standing Mm -hmm. or lifting your hands or whatever. Like sometimes we have to do things physically so that our spirituality kind of catches up to that, you know? And so if you come to, you come to church on Sunday and you just sit there with your arms crossed 
if you think that your mind and your spirit isn't taking cues from your physical body, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're nuts. Like, you, yeah. it needs to kind of all work together. Um, and so I really, you know, I think you really see that when it comes to singing, you're, you know, you're engaging those things, you're engaging your mind, you're engaging your body and, yeah. that, and that kind of thing. But it's, it is a little bit of that. You're training yourself into it. It's not yep. just going to happen naturally. You kind of, you do got to kind of psych yourself up for it a few times. You're like, you know, <laughs> exactly. like, and it's not just because of preference, right? You can come in and just be having a terrible day, right? right? Something terrible, something yeah. bad's happened in your family. Yeah. And you're just like, I don't feel like worshiping, but it's in those times when we press into that, mm -hmm. push in, push through th those times of feeling like we don't want to do it, that really our brain starts to change, habits start to form, and, and, and it actually does become easier to engage in worship. Yeah. Absolutely. I, th I think that singing, like almost anything else we're talking about, is a spiritual discipline. Yeah. And right. that means it's Absolutely. a discipline. It's something that we, we do to structure our life, and we do it in repetition. We gather every Sunday for a reason. Yeah. It's because we're prone to forget, so we need to remember. We need to go through the motions in a way, not half-heartedly, and not, right. not in a way that's like false, but it's in the motions and in the repetition, we build the memory so that we remember these things, and we do it realigns and transforms the way we feel about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Actually, there's this Chris Tomlin song. Love Chris Tomlin. There's a really good song that says, "I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge. You are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You are faithful, God, forever." Mm. I think it's often in the act of worship, in the act of singing the song of raising the hand when I don't feel like it, that I surrender and say, God, move in my heart, change the way I feel, realign my heart to who you are and what you've done. Right, absolutely. This is good. This is really good stuff. And I had like 10 more questions I wanted to ask you guys, but I think we have gone a little too long, but or just long enough. And I, But I do want to ask one more, because you have these master's degrees and have studied these things. Like, Maybe what are some like ways that people can kind of have a greater understanding? Any books that you like or you know just stuff like that that you think people could dig into yeah so one of the books i read on my sabbatical last summer was rhythms of grace by mike cosper i've since followed his podcast which is really good oh, i think cool. it's called cultivated okay um and the thoughts he has on worship i've had our whole team going through that these last few months um on how what worship is worship in the life of from the beginning of creation through israel through jesus into the church yeah um, what does it look like to structure our lives in a, in a liturgical sense around what worship is, to find a rhythm of grace around the gospel, and how is it a spiritual discipline that shapes our heart, shapes who we are as Christ followers? Mm. So if you want to read a book um, yep. and understand a lot of what we've been kind of resonating with as church leadership, yep. check out that book, Rhythms of Grace by Mike Osper. That's good. Yeah, for me, it just started with like deep reflection. I don't know how else to say that. Like, I was just confounded. Like, why do I feel so good at Hume Lake and singing and things like that? And <laughs> yeah. what, what was that journey? And so that for me, I'm like a researcher and I wanted to know. And so that just took me down this journey of, yeah, formal study through one of my, you know, th through my master's. But then um, is, I don't know if it's cliche, but I would say, again, worship through music is a method. And so just understanding how how that all works together community life and how to be a christian really is what is more important to me mm -hmm. in this conversation than yeah. method or music or anything totally. like that so like life together by bonhoeffer like what is how are we supposed to be as a group how does preference play in how are we supposed to sacrifice for the other like if you can order your life 
correctly when it comes to those kind of things like music will fall in its in its proper place like mm-hmm. it, it's really you know i don't so i don't have necessarily a, a great resource as far as far as like just worship through music goes but it's like right. follow jesus you know and these <laughs> things will order them these things will work them way yeah, work seek their, you first right yes, yeah exactly and these other things will fall into place so that's that's, That's really good, and uh, my favorite is um, a thesis by Robert Carter. So, <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> no, it's really good. We should like figure out a way to to sort of self publish that thing. You know, um, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think it's good reading for everybody. But um, anyway, I just uh, I also agree that as we can really find ways to just find how we can sort of order our life around the way that it would glorify and show. God's worth, you know, in all that we do. Um, I think that's, that's huge. And so thank you guys. This is, this is awesome. I think this was a great uh, start to this series. And I think we'll really be a benefit for everyone to listen to. People can also go back and listen to the sermon series that we did. It was called Breathe, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to our website, you can actually go directly to calvarylife.org slash breathe. Yeah. I'll probably put that in the show notes. There's a whole devotional that goes with it that we wrote out. Yeah. And you can get all the sermons um, all on that page. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, Robert, Trevor, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Eric Wakeling. And thanks for <laughs> listening to the Calvary Life Podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at Calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life.